You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You are not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and Inspire. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. It's a new day, gentlemen. I was going to say ladies and gentlemen, which was more cliche but less accurate. Uh, It's a new day, gentlemen, because we are back filming. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, David couldn't quite get it figured out to do it in the standard way, so he'll be sending me the file later. But I can see Chad, and I'm not going to lie to you, Chad, you're looking a tad greasy. Hey, man, there's grease on my fingers and on my forehead, but at least I'm shining. (laughs) That counts for something. Oh, that, I don't know, that was disturbing in a weird sort of way. But anyway, Chad's in Nashville, usual place. I'm in Minneapolis. David, where are you at? I am uh, in Germany somewhere. In German, it's uh, the identity of which will be kept secret, just in German case. somewhere. Depending on what yeah, you I, say, this may need to be kept secret. I don't want people to know where I am, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Uh, anyway, Provoke and Inspire podcast, welcome to it. That was a reversal of the typical sentence structure. Uh, calling followers of Jesus have faith in secular, or radical faith in secular culture, sorry. Uh, we are excited to be doing this, of course, uh, Luke is missing because you would have heard his uh, his quips and his mumbling had he been here. Uh, and I'm sure David has some sort of explanation via uh, Nigel, via, via, who knows. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get that well, at some point. Uh, hold on. But before we get yeah. into that, I want to thank everyone who faithfully listened throughout the summer season. Uh, it was a hodgepodge of previously recorded podcasts, road reports, uh, cheek to cheek-to-cheek hotel recordings. It was all sorts of shenanigans, but we got through it. Uh, thank you for for uh, for all of those who who stuck with us, who faithfully listened, uh, and have, and for those that have listened the whole way through, we really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we do encourage you, uh, if this is an encouragement to you, uh, to share this with your friends, with your family, on social media, and and other places. Uh, and if you haven't already, rate it and review it. This makes it more visible, uh, and this would hopefully spread the word even further. So thank you. Uh, just a real quick idea of what we're going to be doing today, what the set list is. I'm assuming we'll have a David's Random Story. We're going to have some sort of explanation for why Luke's not here. We're going to do a revolutionary recap, the unexpected trend in the Christian and secular art scenes. And then our main topic are, uh, is going to cover Casey Neistat's philosophical musings. So that's what's coming up. Uh, but David, you got some sort of explanation for us or what? Well, you mean as far as why Luke is not available today? Yeah, where is yeah, Luke? I mean, it, it needs to be explained. Well, yeah, apparently um, Nigel borrowed his, his tiny little suit for this pro-gun dating site because I told oh, him. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the and worst. So, yeah. And so he didn't he didn't know what to do. All he has is is, is a robe. And he right. didn't feel like he he didn't feel because this was a going to be a live video thing. He didn't know if he could wear his robe, and and so that's why he's not here because of, Nigel took his tiny suit. And I said, man, you should have more than one suit, you know. What, but uh, apparently, he has only one, 
and Nigel has it. So that's that's why Luke isn't with us today. So yeah, he had to spare our uh, our viewing, perhaps listening audience. I mean, maybe you can hear him not wearing a suit. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe there'll be less sort of shuffling, like that time yeah. when Chad decided to wear the rain jacket on the podcast, and <laughs> for 45 minutes, you just hear like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Wait, who just, there was just a salute that came through. You hear that? That was no. well-timed. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I don't know if this is I don't know if this is relevant or not, but uh, probably uh, not. Nigel told me that he played he played Chad's book backwards. Oh wow! That, I, I'm really curious as as to what it says. Did did he get any well, subliminal messages? It's something about how you're in touch with fantasy metal. <laughs> what? what? That's so true. What does that I, even mean? I can't believe I can't believe that he discerned that. That that's remarkable. Well, yeah, that's that, that, that's it. He he played back a three hundred page. I don't know how many pages it is. Yeah, Chad. yeah, three hundred yeah. page book backwards, and all he got was he's in touch with fantasy metal. He got yeah, two, I know, he weird. got two words: dream theater. It's perfect. <laughs> he, yeah. But you know, it's a, but uh, but remember that remember that Ben when when uh, when Python played one of our songs, you know, back in the day backwards. Do you remember that? That was Python. Me. Who's Python? was that? You. That was me when I was a teenager. I, Wait, was I your... got the CD-ROM all dusted off, and I, I put it in the old slot and the, uh, used some of this weird program, and I reversed the sucker. Wait, is your, is yeah. your, did, did your dad just reveal your secret youth high school nickname as Python? No. No, that, no, no, that was my... Because uh, no, that that'd, that'd be amazing if we just uncovered your nickname as Python. Maybe Python will have to emerge <laughs> as another bit on this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that explains Luke's absence. Hopefully, he can get that tiny suit uh, restored to his tiny body. Yeah, after the, the pro, the I just felt like it flowed together. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, he'll be on the next one, assumably. So, anyway, uh, before we move on to the revolutionary recap, we have the David's random story. So, so anyway. I've been really doing. I've been really working on my on my look, you know. Yeah, I've noticed. So I've been really working on Ooh. on my appearance, and uh, and so we had a show uh, a couple of days ago in Poland, and and uh, it was after the concert. And as what normally happens is is people come up to me and want to touch my hair. Have you ever had that? <laughs> yeah, you that know? happens to me like all, all the time, actually, especially at the barber shop. And Ben, you've had that, haven't you? Oh, just endless. It's like lay off the the locks, man. <laughs> yeah. So so as so I had the normal thing, you know, where they like people are going, oh, I want to touch your hair, and it's like I don't like yeah. that. You know, I I mean, I, I work hard. I work hard to try to 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 you know, mimic, look good mimic on stage. My style. Yeah. Yeah. And then the people are like, they want to touch my hair, and it's like, man, let me touch your hair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, back <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. How does that this, feel? Back but off, this one girl. Show. But this one girl, she's like really persistent. Oh, you know, like Uh-oh. man, it was just like, and I was not happy. And she, she, she pulls a bug out of my hair, like oh, a, man. like a. It was Wait, like, like she was like, doing you an act of kindness. Yeah, this is like she, monkey monkey grooming. It was it was like an insect. I didn't see it because it was at night. You know, it was after a show. But she's like, look, and she like pulls this bug out of my hair, and, and it's in her hand. And she goes, look. And I couldn't see what it was because it kind of like hopped out. And yes. um, so after that, I wasn't quite as comfortable talking to other people because I didn't know, 
you know, other things like that would take well, place. Well, it could have been, and I mean, so there it, could have been an insect infestation in your hair, and that would have been pretty frustrating. So I never know when to chime in with a cynical quip because I'm not sure. Is this done? Are we done? Was that it? What do you mean, well, is that a, it? That was, story, I thought that was sure. a. Yeah, that just happened a couple well, of days ago. Is there some sort ago. of moral? Can we tie this together in a way that our audience can benefit? If someone asks to touch your hair, just know a, yeah. a, a, a bug could be found. I don't really know. I haven't had time to think it through, but I just thought it was something that our viewing and listening audience would be interested in. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're the right. The question I have, was she inadvertently... Did she mean to grab the bug, or was she trying to grab your hair? And a bug was the byproduct of that endeavor. No, I think she. Had, I think she was. She was drawn to the hair, as most people are. Yes. And um, and the bug was a bonus, if you will. Yeah. But she didn't. But again, she was not. It wasn't like it bummed her out or nothing. She wasn't like, oh, this is terrible. A bug. What she kind of like, What kind of bug was it, David? I didn't see it because it was kind oh, of wow. dark. And it was in her hand. But you it know, was. I, but it was wanted, pretty ginormous, right? Well, I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to move on, you know? I was like, I wanted yeah, can, to move on. Speaking of which, can we move on? I yeah. Mean, I think we've squeezed what little marrow is is uh, residing in this in this odd story of yours. So anyway, there you have it. David's random story. David's random story. Uh, moving along to the revolutionary recap. This is something that we haven't had for a while. Uh, it's a trend within the uh, instant reaction edition live filming viewing event uh, that is our podcast during the regular season. Uh, so we're bringing that back. It's our opportunity to explore our sources, to look at uh, issues and things that are relevant to Christian artists, uh, which is our our heartbeat. That is where this whole thing started. Um, and so we we kind of dive into various topics that relate to how do you um, preach as a as an, uh, a Christian artist? How do you stay relevant? Issues um, that all kind of uh, hover around that general topic. And so the thing I want to look at today is um, <clears throat> actually based on a comment made by one of our artists, one of the come and live artists, Mark Moore um, from Christ Afari. I was listening to a podcast that he was, uh, he was being interviewed on a podcast as a guest. Uh, and one of the things he said uh, in, in a more general context of making a case for why artists should preach um, is he said, you know, I find it interesting um, that uh, secular artists seem to be becoming more Christian and Christian artists seem to be becoming more secular. Uh, and, you know, the host, and, and he laughed, and, and he cited examples of, like, Snoop Dogg releasing a gospel album and Chance the Rapper and various other artists uh, in the secular scene becoming increasingly bold about their faith. Um, beyond the sort of maybe, I don't know, this may be kind of a, a humorous generalization, uh, but do you think there's some truth to this? Uh, and if so, what do you think that says about these two scenes and the direction that they're heading in? Uh, man, I, it's, you know, if I'm completely honest, it's, it's really hard for me to know whether, whether that's true, you know, like I, I want to, I, like one part of me wants to agree that that probably is true, but then another part of me wonders if it's more just a case where there, there have, there, there does seem to be an obvious increase of what we consider secular mainstream artists sharing more boldly about their Jesus convictions. Yeah. Well, well, maybe I, I think, okay. I, I think that the statement in and of itself is maybe a little bit for effect. You know, I don't think this is some sort of empirical scientific statement, you know, like based on research or data as much as I think it's a, um, maybe to tie this in with something, David, that you say quite often, and then you can comment on this is, 
it seems like the secular world is becoming more and more bold about just saying whatever it believes. There, there, there is this sense that they just they don't apologize for the message that they have, and I, I think there's this kind of weird, um, this this subculture of silence in Christian art where we we somehow assume that this is an art thing in general when really. It's kind of a non-issue outside of the church. I feel like secular artists just say whatever the heck they want to say. They don't really apologize for it. There's just kind of a, if they have a, you know, a message they want to communicate, they do it. It's only really Christians that kind of feel this need to self-censor. Would you agree that maybe it's, that's really more what Mark was getting at through this statement, David? Well, yeah. I mean, it's been the case, I think, for a long time that when you're just a normal artist, you say what you believe. And it's only the the, yeah. the Christian artists that feel like they have to speak in code. But also, I think it's kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, think about what, what we just what you just said, that secular audiences are actually, or not audiences, but artists, are saying things about God. I think it's more general than about Jesus, but they're at least making spiritual comments more. And right. then Christian artists aren't saying anything. And I think, what makes them a Christian artist? I, I don't, I still haven't understood that. I mean, why is it that you're considered or even called a Christian artist if there's no message yeah. in what you're saying? I don't get that. But that's a, that's a deeper conversation. And I remember you and I having that conversation. Um, I think it might've been in the van somewhere on tour where there, there was a, um, a label that was associated with that you know, maybe back in the seventies where it meant something. Right. So to be a Christian artist implied that, well, I mean, there was, you know, you played within the church context and maybe that made you a a Christian artist, but at least I think kind of where it got its evangelistic roots is in that seventies, Larry Norman, Keith Green. Yeah. I'm a Christian artist. And that came with a perception that I was going to preach. Right. Um, now I would actually argue that the majority of, um, artists would prefer to call themselves artists who happen to be Christians. They actually would reject the label. They don't like the label because um, the the secular scene kind of stigmatizes them. Like, what does that even mean? The Christian scene, at least the kind of old school conservative Christian scene, judges them because, hey, you're a Christian artist. Why aren't you preaching? When I think that they really are like, man, I don't, yeah, I'm a Christian guy. We're Christian dudes. But why why does that automatically imply that that should have any message? And I, this is kind of a tangent, but I think that's when you say, why would they even call themselves a Christian artist? I would argue they don't want to be called Christian artists, truthfully. Well, so I was just going to say, sometimes in culture, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, the bar has to be set higher by someone who who is willing to do the dirty work and to do the hard work and to go out and and maybe cut a path through the jungle where there isn't one to to find a, a better and a stronger way to get to where you, you desire to go. And so in this case, I wonder if God isn't showing Christian artists through those like Snoop Dogg and Justin Bieber and others who who seem to be taking a much stronger position on their faith that, man, maybe maybe, maybe there's a bar being raised that the rest of us can then come alongside. Cause that my experience in the music world was that the, the bar was extremely low and the expectations were extremely low other than maybe what Ben just talked about, which is the, in the, in the sort of like fundamentalist Christian, you know, from usually more of a judgmental tone 
the expectations were very high. You know, why didn't you do this or why didn't you say that? And I, I don't, I have no idea if that's still the case, but um, it's it definitely cha- right. yeah challenges me to want to pray that God raises helps raise the bar for all of us. And uh, and I think that's part actually in large part why we're here. I think that the reason that we are talking about this is because there's so little talk that's direct uh, happening in the Christian scene so that when guys like Snoop Dogg and, and Justin right. Bieber... If anyone says anything... Yeah, if anyone talking. says anything, we're like, oh, wow, isn't that amazing? But it's isn't it... Be- I think it's more because things are so mute that any kind of any kind of uh, voice is like startling. It's like, and we, we, we were excited about it. And I think a lot of the reason that uh, Christian artists don't say anything is because they want to be mainstream. Like, and I think you're right. I think they would prefer to just be mainstream, but guys who have made it, they don't have that. They are, they have made it so that they don't need to like sell out. So to speak. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's kind of maybe what's going on. Yeah. You know, and I, I I do think that there is a, I was going to bring this up as a, maybe a, a whole topic, but even a genre thing where, I feel like certain genres lend itself to being more bold. I feel like hip hop and even hardcore, um, you know, as very different genres, of course, but they both carry with it a bit of an attitude of, I'm going to say what I, there's like a punk spirit in it, like a rebellious, I'm going to say what I want to say. You don't really find that as much in pop or rock or kind of more mainstream sounds. There there tends to be more of a desire to want to be coded and ambiguous and, uh, you know, an illusion of being deep and wise in that way. But again, this this conversation we could take in a lot of directions. And I, I think something that, that you said, Chad, that I think is interesting is that I think we do need to just blow up the definition. Um, I, I think that, you know, I'm finding myself having these conversations a lot. I'm going to be on a podcast later with Joey from Bad Christian. And he's nice. ask me these things, ask me these things. And, you know, for me, I, I don't know, the more I wrestle with it, because there's all these arguments that come to my mind and I want to jump to all these different places. And I think, um, the thing that I keep kind of settling back to is, man, we just need to rediscover what it really means to follow Jesus. I I think that before we worry about whether these artists are using their platform, we need to be asking the question, what do they really believe? Or are they, or, or are they even in love? You know, I would argue for me that until, until I actually fell in love with Jesus, right. it, it's it's not. It doesn't matter what good things I was producing; uh, none of them were actually worth anything. And so, once absolutely, you know, once the foundation became God's in love with me, I'm in love with Him. Then, then it becomes natural to let that flow over, or spill over. No, no, absolutely. And by the way, let's cut each other off. Let's make this a dialogue, <laughs> not soliloquies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but for real. But okay. No, I, I agree with you, and I just kind of feel like. Do I go after all the different tentacles of arguments or do I rather say, man, we need to, as, as society is shifting and as it's becoming increasingly difficult to follow God, uh, at least in the way that we define it, right? The Bible is, is true and, and, and there's one way to heaven and all those kinds of things. As we define it, there's becoming an increasing social cost yeah. to following Jesus. Absolutely. And I think the, the better question is, before you, because because it's never about what you do first, is it? And so a lot of the times, I think what what we are maybe doing wrong is we're asking the wrong questions or we're looking at the wrong problem. We're looking at these artists and we're saying, "Why aren't you preaching?" When we probably should be asking, like you said, "Are you really in love with Jesus? Do you really 
Are you, is that the first and primary love? Um, because in a lot of cases, I think they're wrestling with it. And if you're wrestling with it, you're never going to sell it. You're never going to share yeah. it. You know, to use a very crass analogy, if you think about sales, right? This analogy has been going around in my head. And I know sales is a horrible way to talk about the gospel, but there's some parallels here in the sense that um, if you're, everyone wants this kind of sale, right? Everyone wants the kind of sale where someone calls them and they're like, yo, I heard about your product and it's really cool and I like it and I've heard it does good things. I want to buy it from you. Oh, cool. That was easy. It was very low bar. I didn't have to confront anyone. I didn't even have to go anywhere. It was an easy sale. And everyone in the Christian art world talks about evangelism like that. That's what I want. I want people to just come to me. They see it in my life. They see the, that the product works in me. I want that. By contrast, nobody nobody wants to pick up the phone and, and go through that list and, and try to, you know, be awkward and be foolish and, and take the risk and, and, and really say, this is what's true, even if you reject me for saying that. And, and the only way you're really going to do that, if you're not just being paid seven bucks an hour to sit in a cubicle, is that you really believe, you're really committed, you're, your heart is totally in. And so you're willing to look foolish, you're willing to take risks, because you so believe in what God has done in your life and what he, he could do in, in the life of the people that you're speaking to. And so I think a lot of this, even though this has become kind of a lot of a tangent, is that, man, we need to be challenging the church and then artists within the church to, to ask questions like, do I really know and believe in Jesus? Am I really known by him? Is, is my identity in him? And am I living my life to obey him? And if those things are settled, I think the rest would kind of take care of itself. Well, I think when you have this encounter, you ha- you get a heart to have to sh- right. t- talk about it. It's not like someone has to, you know, someone has to lecture you or about it or something. It's, no. that that means you don't have it. It's not a it's not that kind of thing. It's about you just start seeing the world through God's eyes and you start caring right. and you got to tell them. How can you not tell them? Yeah, and I'm I'm totally convinced that action follows a, a place of conviction, and so. I wonder if part of why we're seeing what we're seeing in the in the mainstream world is because there's a level of conviction that's that's fresh and that that hopefully is is uh, from the Holy Spirit and God breathed and and so maybe the prayer is that Lord would you increase the level of conviction that each of us feel in our lives so that um, we we actually understand because I I don't think at the end of the day most of us Christians truly believe that that we will spend an eternity with God and that people who reject him will spend eternity without him or, or that we're, we're invited to be part of that story and helping people experience Jesus. And so there, there's, a, there's a conviction challenge that needs to take place before anyone Absolutely. will actually take, a, take steps or, or action towards it. Right. Yeah, and so much of this conversation centers around creating uh, straw mans and, you know, straw man arguments and, and, and false dichotomies and judgment and, you know, and, and, and really I do think it comes down to as simple as is, are, are you in love with Jesus and, and is your life about trying to obey and please him and live like him? Because I think you can't look at the life of Jesus and, and come to conclusions like I would, I would stand in front of 2,000 people but be totally happy not telling any of them the truth. Personally, that, that I feel that that's you, do you do it perfectly? No. Do you struggle? Do you wrestle? Do you sometimes fail? Absolutely. But as a sort of conscious conviction, like no, I don't believe that God would want me to tell them the truth. I, I just struggle to believe that a true 
love for Jesus and a desire to obey him would lead you to that conclusion. And I think that's maybe the most compelling argument is don't look to me. Don't feel guilty. Don't do it out of, out of a duty. Let's, let's be in love with Jesus. Let's try to live like him and let that take us where it goes. And I think that takes us to, to telling people about Jesus, regardless of our platform, whether you're a plumber or an artist. And why is it always the plumber that's put in contrast to the artist? Chad, <laughs> why is it always the plumber? I think because... I don't know because the plumber actually does because the plumber actually does something that really uh, benefits us all. Probably that's why. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's exactly why. But you notice that how it's always like, "What about the plumber? Does he have to share Jesus?" Yes. Uh, First of all, leave the plumbers alone. They're plumbing. (laughs) Why is the bee silent too? That bugs me. Yeah, yeah, that is that is anyway odd. Very important topic, clearly near and dear to our hearts, and a conversation that will no doubt continue to sprinkle its way through the uh, the litany of conversations to follow. But anyway, that's that. Nice sprinkle, Chad. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see your video now. Yeah, so dude, you're instead welcome. Instead of just silence and the awkward movement of limbs, I can actually right. see what you're doing. Uh, now moving on, that was our not so uh, recap. Recap. Um, we're going we're gonna to transition to sort of our main topic, although I would argue it's probably going to be just two topics of, of equal length. Uh, what I labeled this is Casey Neistat's philosophical musings. Now, who are, you might be wondering, who is Casey Neistat? Uh, he's a 37-year-old filmmaker turned YouTube star. In case you doubt my uh, title I've given him, he has, uh, as of July 31st, he has 10 million YouTube subscribers and again, as of that date, a total of 2.3 billion collective views. Uh, so the guy's having a little bit of an influence, you could say. Um, he even has a video that I felt really would apply to David. It says, why I always wear sunglasses, and it has 13 million views. I mean, that's yeah. impressive, you know? I watched that one. It yeah. was actually very interesting. It is and very interesting. Part of it was very practical. Right. Part of it was sort of what you'd expect, which is it's like the Bono David Pierce thing where you kind of you become dependent on it. Yep. But I'm not, the de- other I'm not, I'm not dependent <laughs> on it. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Your Sun- uh, sunglasses your are the spectacle dependency. You have classic yeah. spectacle dependency syndrome or S P S D S D S. Nice. <laughs> anyway, Casey Neistat's philosophical musing. He has a bunch of videos, very quirky, uh, relatable guy. Um, kind of captures the spirit of our age, like spontaneous, does funny things, very creative, very inventive. Um, you can see why he's he's gotten to the level that he has. Um, but he also wrestles with things. And I'm going to play a clip for us, uh, and you guys are going to sit there awkwardly listening to it. Uh, and then when it's done, it's about two or three minutes. It's worth it, I promise. Uh, Matt will probably put up some funny picture of Casey. We'll listen to it. Uh, maybe he'll put like an animation of like an alligator like chomping at his face. I don't know. That could be fun, right? Uh, and then when it's done, let's talk about it. Like on a daily basis, I wrestle with like existential thoughts. Like, what is the point? Why am I doing everything that I'm currently doing? And to give a little context to that, it's like I've got a grown kid. I've got a little kid. About to have another kid. This YouTube channel. This office. My company. Got my running, which is just crazy. Why do I run so much? My loving wife. Why do I wake up every single day before 5 a.m.? What am I chasing? And the answer is I don't know. And this isn't like some emotional cry for help. I am extremely happy. I'm happy right now. I'm a happy person. There's very little that I take for granted, but I want more. 
I want to do more. I want and I want and I want. And why? Like, where does that come from? A- ambition, ambition is both a curse and a blessing. It's a blessing because without ambition, you're just kind of treading water. It's ambition that makes you swim to places you could never imagine. It's ambition that takes you everywhere you would ever want to go. But it's a curse. Ambition is a curse because it's not getting to that destination. It's not achieving what you hope to achieve that satiates or satisfies your ambition. It's the actual chasing. It's the doing. The monster that's ambition is only fed if you're constantly spoon-feeding it the doing, not the accomplishing. The curse that is ambition always demands more. And I think, like in my heart, I genuinely think that one thing that we're all pursuing in life is happiness. Happiness is the point. Happiness is the ultimate accomplishment. And in thinking that through, like what makes me happy, I, you know, my family makes me happy. My running makes me happy. Waking up before five in the morning makes me happy. And feeding my unrelenting ambition with work makes me happy. So here I am back in the office doing one thing that makes me happy, my North Star. So there you have it. Uh, A lot to break down there. Um, There's two, what I would argue, there's two sort of interconnected themes. There's there's the theme of of happiness. You know, what's the purpose? What makes me happy? Uh, And then sort of the second aspect that is connected is ambition. Um, And so I want to kind of look at those maybe separately, um, though they are connected, and we can certainly cross over and connect them. Um, but the first thing I want, want to do is is just reflecting on, on what he talks about, the, the idea of, of, of happiness. You know, he talks about, what am I chasing? I want, and I want, and I want. He says, where does this come from? And what it seems like, you know, and then he lists these things. You know, my family makes me happy. My work makes me happy, which seems to suggest that happiness equals uh, doing stuff that I like right? The things I like, doing those things makes me happy. And I, I don't know if you guys found this interesting, but he, you know, he says, the last thing he says that make him, makes him happy is feeding my unrelenting ambition with work makes me, he pauses for a little bit and says happy. And it was, I, I'm not trying to draw too much out of it, but it was very like, it's almost like he was even wrestling with getting those words out. Like there was a torture, there's a tortured feeling in the ambition and, and how that interacts with interacts with his happiness. And so first off, Chad, how about you reflect on his perception of happiness? How does that hit you? What does that make you think? Yeah, I mean, it's I think that that he's right in, in the generalization that as the human race or the culture of humanity, we we could probably boil down our aspirations and our desires and the things we chase after in the that word into that word happiness and um or achieving happiness hmm. I, I liked I, yeah i liked what he said I've, I've watched a bunch of his videos uh some of which i'd already seen not not knowing actually who he was but recognizing some of his right. videos and i'm like oh it's this guy cool yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I'm super encouraged and inspired by his style, his creativity, his thinking outside of the box right. kind of approach. It's, it's actually really uh, refreshing. Right. But David, what I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I guess I agree, but it also feels so empty. I mean, I feel like it's, yeah, I don't know how, to be honest, I just felt a lot of desperation in that. Under, under a very thin veneer of confidence, there seemed to be a lot of like 
emptiness to me. Well, it's it's kind of like you know you think okay if I if I uh, if I get a, a car a nice car then I'll I'll be I'll be happy and then it's like if I have a a car and a nice girlfriend then I'll be happy if I have a car and a nice girlfriend and, and I and I go to university you know it's kind of like chasing the next thing to fill something mm-hmm. I mean I and at the end of the day you're not if you're if your whole ambition is okay I want to be happy you're not can you imagine the kind of world we'd live in if that's how everyone thought? I mean, there we we would. How would you ever stand up against tyranny? How would you ever find cures for diseases? How would you ever go and do anything meaningful? You know, help people who are suffering in in some tragic city somewhere in Africa, or or how are you going to rescue that child from the burning building? You know. How, I mean, what significance? Well, explain what you mean by that. Like, what? So you're saying that that contradicts with your pursuit of happiness? Well, I think we were created just for a kind of a shallow. Oh, I'm happy, and my family's cool, and I got I get to do what I like. I think right. what we were created for was something significant. You know, that's part of us being made in the image of God. And so I think that that we're not just here to just fulfill kind of this. Uh, shallow happiness, but we're, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're here to actually accomplish something, you know, make a difference, uh, do something that's going to impact the world. I mean, I think that's, that's what we've been put on in, in, and so if it's just about, well, I'm happy. So I think that's the key to life. I mean, can you imagine what kind of world would be a pretty bad world if that's how that was the barometer for success or, or, or what we should achieve? Uh, look for it to achieve anything. I mean, it would not be uh, a world I'd want to live in. Right. Yeah. And he, he kind of connects it to ambition as well. And, and that he, he talks about his own ambition and even one of his, you know, the last thing he lists as the reasons why he's happy, though, I doubt even the tone of his own voice is that he says, feeding my unrelenting ambition with work makes me pause happy. Um, right. I, I, and there seems to be even like a a recognition on his part of that sort of never ending treadmill like existence that he he has and and he even talks about you know some of his definitions of ambition as are they're both a blessing and a curse the blessing is it takes you to places you can never get to that you thought impossible a curse is that you're never satisfied or that you're you're just always relentlessly pursuing something like he says my unrelenting ambition um he he does say he doesn't think everyone has it which then leads to the question of how someone outside of his own how anyone else but he could be happy or someone like him um but then he he kind of says the monster of ambition is only fed in the doing so his I think to summarize it, his his um, definition of happiness is is kind of the journey, not the destination, right? It's it's identifying the things you like, and then pursuing those things endlessly, and and you arrive, but that's not enough. You got to keep going. Um, man, I don't know. That seems like a very, uh, I, it's kind of the circular existentialism. Like there is nothing really satisfying except the pursuit of satisfaction itself. Which, which, which seems which, like a well, nice way of saying there's really nothing satisfying. Well, at, at that at the end of the day, it's not it's not the kind of satisfaction that makes you uh, when you go through difficulty is going to make you go. My life has been worth it. You know, if if it's what's going to happen if he goes through any difficult situation in his family or 
he doesn't have all the views that he's having now on YouTube and that kind of thing. I mean, um, if that if that's what gives you value, if that's the thing that makes your life significant, you're not going to be able it's to. Pretty flimsy. To, yeah, it's very sh- it's it's and you know. I don't know how that's encouraging to people that watch what he watch him. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm happy. I have, I have 40 million people on my, you know, that subscribe to my YouTube channel <laughs> 10, and I'm, yes. and I'm making millions of dollars <laughs> and I'm a hipster in New York and I'm young and I go running every day and I'm happy is, and I'm like, how is that going to encourage you, the average guy, you know, that's well, not going to have, a million subscribers on right. YouTube. You know what I mean? I, I don't really know well, where the inspiration is, I to be honest. But well, that's just and, me. And, well, no, and the sad irony, and sorry, Chad, I can let you come in here, is this, the sad irony is that it's well documented that our social media age has brought a level of sort of lifestyle comparison that is just bringing with it huge depression and anxiety and feelings of worthlessness because in a in a world of finite resources – not everyone can win. Not everyone can get have everything that they want. Not to mention that the, the very things he lists as his source of happiness are so flimsy. I mean, sure, he can run now, but what happens if he loses a leg, you know, or gets in an accident, or or his family's happy, or, or is part of his happiness? But that's not guaranteed. His work is not guaranteed, and 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 yet, even in all of that, there's just like like I was saying before, it's like you can sense a. a, a First of all, he's clearly searching, and I don't think he claims to have all the answers. That's not this isn't a criticism of him. If anything, I feel a compassion. Um, and I wish I could have a conversation with him. Um, but it does he's influential, and so by because of that, we comment on it. And and I do feel like it there is a a, a society, a culture now that just says it's just about pursuing your recreational dreams honestly. exactly and exactly and that's what life's about just just identify what you like and, and pursue that and it's about being spontaneous and adventurous and traveling and you know yolo and blah 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 and but and, ben and man, but, it's like but ben that whole philosophy has come into missions too i mean that whole philosophy is not just in just normal mainstream life it's also uh, it's a it's a mission reality today you know come to have yeah. an adventure come you know be a a rock climber for Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, man, we're not going to, we're not going to change anything with that. If that is the barometer, if that's the, and to be honest, I, I, I would guess that if you would say to him, do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like right. you, you know, do you feel like life has meaning? Maybe that would be a good question. Is it just, okay, you're happy because you get to do all these things and you're, you're, but do you feel, do you have meaning in your, in your life? You know, how, what do you think about uh, your mortality? You know, what do you, right. you know, big questions like that. Those would be great questions right. to, to discuss with him. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Ben, I think set, took several Sorry. thoughts that I had and, and no, you put them, you put them out there really well. So it's all good. I, but I think the one that stands out is the, like you, I, I feel a lot of compassion for him. And I think, man, if, if, if Casey had an encounter with Jesus, imagine sim, similar to our, f, you know, former new age YouTube friend, um, Steve, you know, like yeah. Steve had an encounter with Jesus and now that guy's got, you know, his videos may not have millions, but his videos have hundreds of thousands of people who are watching him and listening to him. And, and it's all about his experience with Jesus and his growth with Jesus and life with Jesus. So even if we were just to take, 
some of Casey's statements and then kind of compare them, you know, out of the mouth of Casey versus out of the mouth of Jesus. And routinely, Jesus demanded surrender. He demanded uh, denial. He, he demanded that, that we give up our own um, kind of like, you know, happy is about me, you know, and what Casey's right. saying is, is this is me. I, I uh, the best thing that can happen to me is all these things. And, um, and Jesus is very clearly saying that even if you don't have any of those things, you can, you can have a level of fulfillment that, that exceeds that so abundantly that, that someday you'll just be like, I can't even believe that I called li- any part of life on earth happy, you know? Right, so right. anyway, I think it's... Yeah, but I mean, Jesus said a lot more, a lot, he went a lot further than that. He said, to if you try to save your life, you will lose it. If you need to not, you know, if you try to find your life, you will lose your life. If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Right. You know, he used, he used the imagery of, of taking up the cross, which was, uh, you know, a terrible kind of... A happy, yeah, happy thought. You know, and so... This and he's so it's and it's he said that's where you'll find life, you know that's right. that's where life that's where you find life and 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 there's joy but it's a different you know like it was the joy of the Lord that allowed uh, is the joy set before him that allowed Jesus to go to the cross it's a kind of joy that lets you go through things that are not easy uh, to face yeah. the, the real world, you know, and not just have this shallow kind of, um, happy, yeah. clappy view of, of life. And, and, and happiness is entirely tied to circumstances, right? Right. Which is so entirely fickle. I mean, yeah. I heard someone say that, that peace is not, uh, the, the absence of difficult circumstances, but it's the presence of a person. Yeah. Right. So, so to have, to have the presence of God in you, to be, to you know, have a relationship with Jesus and have the Holy Spirit inside of you—that's what peace looks like. That's what it's a—it's the presence of a person, not the the altering of circumstances. I would say the same goes for joy. That right, you know, joy being listed as one of the fruits of the spirit. I think true joy is not the arrangement of circumstances in a favorable way or the elimination of unfavorable circumstances. Rather, it's the presence of God because that's what yeah. we were created for. And yeah. then you know what we're not saying is kind of this really um. Uh, I don't know what the word is. It's a, whatever the opposite of hedonistic is, it's this unhedonistic. I don't know, but we're not saying that it's this real self-abasing lifestyle, like nothing's cool and everything sucks and sunsets and running and family are lame. Don't put your life into those things. It's about priority. It's about order, right? I think if you, you have the deepest part of you fulfilled by only the only thing that can truly fill it, then you are free to enjoy the, the creation that God has made the good un corrupted and even all of it's corrupted on some level i mean you you can enjoy a good meal with when, when you don't for live it, yeah. for food you know you can yeah. you can and so it's not that you can't i you can and enjoy things that god allows you to enjoy if you're if you're blessed that way but that's can't be if that's what i live for it's not gonna it's not gonna do it and that's not and we're not just also here just to be happy we're here to make a difference we're here to 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 fight yeah save the world i mean really yeah. and, you know and it's like how could you ever do anything noble if your whole goal is just i do things that make me happy i i mean yeah where would we be if that's how everyone thought i mean i think but of he these... doesn't even he doesn't even feel that way he betrays his own philosophy because why would you get up at 450 and 
abuse his body running the way he does, he knows deep down that the significant things require sacrifice. Right. And so this sort of shallow happiness is illusory. And I think he would even point to that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty self-evident, or it should be. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I think that the things that satisfy are the things that are cost something, you know. And, uh, you know, but he would say that, too. I mean, he works hard. He gets up early in the morning. He he probably works, you know, 12 hours a day. Um, so it's he wouldn't deny that fact. But I guess it's that it's what is the right. meaning of life, you know, and that's where where I, I don't. And I, right. I think if I could sit down and talk with him, he probably would would wonder himself, you know, is this the meaning of life? You know, is is. Yeah. Well, you can hear that, right, Chad? I mean, you can even hear that in his tone. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, if you if you reference other videos of his, you know, specifically the one he did for Nike, the Make It Count video that has something like 29 million views, um, it's that, that video applied to the life of every follower of Jesus is hugely inspiring and, and a prophetic reminder of what we're, how we're actually called to live, you know, and it's just him going to all these different countries and 10 days and just getting as far, you know, doing as much as he can in 10 days around the world. But it's, I was fighting back tears and in rewatching it because it's like, man, God, that's, you've called us to this incredible opportunity of living that, that so far exceeds any kind of, of, um, instant gratification via YouTube or anything else in life that, that we might chalk up to success or happiness or whatever else. And, uh, and just, you know, man, thank you God for the opportunity, you know, help me to look at it more through the lens of making it count and, and just more through the lens of, of God, God has put us here for such a specific and, and um, redeeming purpose that it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I just, yeah, I just need, I think I needed that reminder, even in kind of this conversation stirring me up. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I think what's tragic for me is that I, I have been inspired by him. I mean, he has another video called Do What You Can't. And, and the whole spirit of it is don't be de- undeterred by barriers and obstacles. And he, he kind of takes it a little farther in terms, it has kind of an anti-authority, you know, unauthoritarian vibe. I don't know why I'm struggling with that, but he does. And, um, but I'm inspired, but I I guess I'm inspired because I have, I feel like, and I don't mean this in a self-righteous way. I need God's grace as much as anybody, but I have the right foundation. And so I can draw on the godly principles that I think are inspiring him because I think there are, you know, Steve Jobs said, we're all here to make a dent on the universe. I think that God put that desire for significance inside of him. Just like I think he's speaking to Casey through these ideas of significance and what does life, why does life matter? And what's the point? I think he's communicating truth. Is he just grasping for the right foundation? Um, so, so I guess that's the thing more than anything is a compassion that, that I, um, I, I would love for him to know the whole truth, you know, and, and, and also the millions and millions of people that he's influencing. And it's sad that he's short of that whole truth right now. It's, it's, and you can hear it. You can hear it in his tone. I mean, there's a another young YouTube star named Elle Mills, and uh, she has a video uh, that that's uh, I think the title of it's "Burnt Out at 19." And if you, I'll link it. Maybe I'll pause for a second just to decide if I want to include it post production wise. Uh, <laughs> it's 
it's tragic. I'll, I'll, we'll put a link to it. And basically she talks about how I'm supposed to be happy and I'm miserable and I hate my life and I'm being viewed by millions and I'm being called the next rising YouTube star. And why am I so, and she swears like every other word, but why am I so bleeping miserable? Why am I such a wreck? And it just, this is someone that millions of people would aspire to be. And I think ultimately my reaction to this is not judgment, but compassion that all the more reason that whatever platform God has given you, artist or plumber or everything in between, you like that? You like <laughs> I that like that. Symmetry of conversation. Keep, keep the plumbers going. Um, yeah, yeah. You need to be using your platform. You know, I, there's, I, I hate when that argument is used because all that says to me is, yeah, you're right. The plumber should also be telling people about Jesus, just like the artist. I, I, I don't think that excuses either. I, I think the point is, does our heart break for a world that doesn't know the truth, that it knows partial truth, and as a result is being is are being slaughtered, are dying, are are like this Elle Mills, who are honest enough to admit that she's miserable despite the world telling her she has everything she could possibly want. Um, so that that's really, I think, the kind of the heart in all of this is to uh, unpack some of this secular mindset and, and to allow God to break our hearts through that. Um, so that we would use the platforms God has given us to really make a difference. And um, one thing I want to look at, and we've run out of time, um, we'll do this on the next one, is to talk about what godly ambition looks like. Because I don't think ambition is wrong, ultimately. I think God wants us to be good stewards. You know, that's the, that's the Christian word we use for ambition. Um, of, of our time, our gifts, our resources, etc., and so I think I want to look at that, and I think laziness is something that's not talked enough about the church, uh, and yet it's listed as a serious sin. And so I think we need to talk about that, and so we'll hit that next week. Um, but one thing I want to bring your attention to before we wrap things up is if God has called you to be part of what we're doing, and we're just one small part of what God is doing around the world, there are openings at Steiger, the missions organization that we are a part of, which is dedicated to reaching and discipling the global youth culture for Jesus. Uh, There are a ton of ways that you could step in, use the gifts that God has given you, and help tell people the truth, just like we're talking about. Uh, If you go to steiger.org slash opportunities, uh, there you can find the list of the various roles that we need filled, everything from, you know, very high-level roles within in our sort of functioning operation side of things, um, all the way to recruiting and everything in between. There's a bunch of roles, so check that out. Uh, otherwise, if you um, have been encouraged by this conversation, if you have questions, if you're angry by the things we've said, in all cases, you can send an email to provoke and inspire at comeandlive.com. You can leave a comment on um, on our Instagram, on social media, Facebook, anything. Uh, otherwise, uh, consider rating this and reviewing it uh, and sharing it with friends, families, and foes alike. Uh, yes, that is all. Uh, another Instant Reaction podcast in the books. Hope you enjoyed watching it and seeing it and hearing it. That was Redundant. Talk to you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.